passage this morning is John chapter 1, verses 35 through 37. John 1, 35 through 37. We may sing imperfectly. We may fellowship with one another imperfectly. We may even pray imperfectly. But at this point, we come to the perfect word of God. And so as Daryl always reminds us, will you please, out of honor and respect for God's word, stand and join me as we read. John 1, verses 35 through 37. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God! The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. You may be seated. When I was a young man, I was eager one might say desperate, to find a wife. And so as young men of a certain age do, when I would go to church, I would consider every young woman that would walk in the doors. And attending small churches, there was very slim pickings most of the time. <laughs> when I would visit other churches, I would also keep an eye out. And I was always looking at Christian women, and I was taking note of their attitudes, how they spoke, what they talked about, what they were interested in, and yes, how they looked and how they dressed. Until one day, a young woman walked into the work where I was, and I saw her, and I can tell you that from that moment on, I beheld Glenda. Whenever she would walk into a room, I would notice her. I would pay attention to her. I knew all kinds of things about her. I know what color her eyes are, what her favorite foods are. I can tell you endless details about her. Now, if any of you come up to me after the service, you will know I am not a terribly observant person. I don't have a great eye for detail. And if you ask me, okay, don't look, what color are my eyes? I will probably fail the test, but I know what color her eyes are. You see, even to this day, when she walks into a room, I behold Glenda. I pay attention. And this is, in a very real sense, the way God wants us to behold Jesus. To spend our attention, our focus, to give every bit of energy and enthusiasm towards looking at Jesus. To notice the details about him, how he acts, how he talks. And as we do that, we come to know him better. This world that we live in is full of distractions. Most of us have a small computer in our pocket that we call a telephone, and it is designed practically for no other reason than to, than to distract us from whatever we happen to be doing. Companies spend all kinds of time and effort to make the applications they put on that device more distracting and to hold our attention. Marketing companies spend billions of dollars every year to design a commercial that will hold your attention for 30 seconds. For just 30 seconds, if they can grab your attention, they will be satisfied. 
And so in this world that we live in where so many things are trying to distract us or trying to draw our attention, I want us to see today how we can follow John's example of beholding Jesus and then imitate his example of proclaiming Jesus. And finally, I want us to see how beholding Jesus will conform us to the image of God's Son. So first of all, how did John behold Jesus? Well, the first thing I want us to notice this morning from verse 35, it says, The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. Where was John? Well, if you go up a few verses previous, you will know that John is at Bethany on the east side of Jordan. Now, this is an unusual thing that John is there by Jordan this day because if you look back previously, John has already baptized Jesus. John has seen the heavens open. He's seen the Holy Spirit descend like a dove on Jesus, and he has heard the voice of God the Father saying, this is my beloved Son. Now, as John is the promised prophet who would be the voice crying in the wilderness, he has no doubt known for his entire life that this is the moment his life was leading up to. He has reached the pinnacle of his career. I can tell you, no pastor, no prophet anywhere would consider anything else than baptizing the very Son of God and seeing heaven opened up like that to be anything other than the very highest point of their career. And yet, where is John the next day? He is still beside the Jordan. What would you do? I think if I were John, I might leave my shelter in the wilderness. I might put aside my itchy, hairy, uh, camel's hair robe. I would definitely put aside my diet of locust and wild honey. And I would have some grilled fish with my disciples and friends and everyone. And we would celebrate. The Messiah has come. I've done my job. I've proclaimed, there's your Messiah. There he is. I've told everyone, this is the Lamb of God that we were waiting on. And I would probably sleep in the next day. But instead, here is John, right where he is supposed to be. This is the mission God has given him, and he is faithful in fulfilling the calling God has on his life. Now, God has not called all of us to be John the Baptist. We are not called to preach to crowds. We are not even all of us called to stand behind a pulpit and preach. But God has called all of us to do something. You are called to be a father, a husband, a mother, a wife. You're called to be a student at your school or an employee at your job. And whatever God has called you to do, if you are faithful in doing what God has called you to do, then you are in the right place to see Jesus. This morning, you are all in the right place. God called you to be here in church this morning. He has commanded us, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is. And so as we are faithful in gathering together to worship God with his people on his day, we are in the right place here this morning to behold Jesus. And as we go throughout the rest of the week, as we are faithful to what God has called us to do each day, then we are in the right place to behold Jesus. Now the next thing is, John knew what to look for. You see verse 36, it says, 
he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. How did John know what to look for? He had been studying the Bible. John says of himself, I am the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Where did he find that? He found that in the famous passage in Isaiah 40 and verse 3, where it says there would be one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. John knew that. He had studied the scriptures. And if you see, even his message come from that scripture as well. And just a few verses later in Isaiah 40 in verse 9, it says, Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. This is the message that John has for them. Behold the Lamb of God. He got even that message from Scripture. John had been studying the Bible, and so he knew what to look for when he saw Jesus. Also look at there, John beheld Christ by faith. There were many in the crowd that saw Jesus with their physical eyes who failed to behold Jesus as John did. We're even told uh, in verse 26, there stands one among you that you do not know. So there were people that were standing around John, even those that heard him say, behold the Lamb of God. When somebody yells something like that, probably people turned to look. Ooh, who's he talking about? What is he talking about? And they saw Jesus with their physical eyes, but they failed to behold Jesus with the eyes of faith, as John did. You see, this word to behold is often used metaphorically in Scripture. It doesn't just mean to look at with your eyes, but it means to look on something with your inward eyes, to see something. John Owens writes, No man shall ever behold the glory of Christ by sight in heaven who does not in some measure behold it by faith in this world. On Christ's glory, I would fix all my thoughts and desires. And the more I see of the glory of Christ, the more the painted beauties of this world will wither in my eyes, and I will be more and more crucified to this world. As we look on Jesus with the eyes of faith, the distractions of this world, as John Owens calls them, the painted beauties of this world will wither in our sight. And we begin to see Jesus as he really is. Those that were standing in the crowd with John that day just saw a man, just like any other around them. But because John knew what to look for, because he was in the right place, and because he was beholding Jesus with the eyes of faith, he knew when he saw Jesus that this was not a mere man that this was the Lamb of God. You recall Simeon looked on Jesus with the eyes of faith. In Luke 2, as Mary and Joseph come to the temple and they're bringing this eight-day-old baby to the temple to be consecrated to God according to the law, and Simeon has been waiting his whole life for this moment. He has been told, you will not see death until you look upon the coming one. And as Simeon takes this baby in his arms, he says, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for mine eyes have seen your salvation. It's a baby. It's so ordinary. It's so weak. It's just a baby. 
And yet, because Simeon was looking at this baby through the eyes of faith, he saw more than just a baby. He saw the Lord's salvation that he was holding in his arms. And as we behold Jesus with the eyes of faith, we will see he was not merely a good teacher. He was not just a good man. He was not merely a prophet. This is the Lamb of God. Now, what is the result of beholding Jesus as John did? John's beholding Jesus causes him to proclaim Jesus. That word behold is an exclamation. It's a command. It's something that bursts out of you almost without thought. If you imagine if you were standing outside at night with some of your friends and you happen to catch a glimpse of a bright shooting star and you would immediately just cry out, look, a shooting star. This is the sort of thing that happens with John. As he sees Jesus, it bursts out of him. Behold, the Lamb of God. He sees something there that's amazing and it compels him. He couldn't resist. He must cry out to everyone around him. Behold, the Lamb of God. Now those who behold Jesus a little less may be a little quieter. They may stutter or mumble. They may be shy about bringing him up. But those who look long at Jesus are compelled to cry out, whether they're in front of friends and crowds as John was or just one-on-one -on -one with someone, you must cry out, Behold the Lamb! You've got to see Him! And the more we see Jesus, the more we will be compelled to say, Behold the Lamb of God! Look at Him! There were others in the Bible who saw Jesus you remember Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. When the crowds were gone away, and it was just him, and he came and he talked to Jesus, and he went away, and he was a secret disciple. Joseph of Arimathea had seen Jesus at some point, had heard his teachings, and he went away a secret disciple. And yet, on the darkest day, when Christ is dead, when the one they had trusted in but had not made publicly known their trust was dead, they go into Pilate's judgment hall. This would have polluted them. They could not have taken part in the Passover. All of their friends, all of the other religious leaders would know that Nicodemus and Joseph aren't taking part in the Passover. And then they go further. They take Jesus' body down and prepare it for burial. And once you've handled a dead body, you are definitely not able to take part in the Passover at this time. What would their friends have thought? Why did they do this? Why have they made themselves unclean with a dead body and by walking into Pilate's judgment hall for this man that we just had crucified? Because they had beheld Jesus, they were bound to make it known at some point. There were others, though. There were crowds that came to see Jesus who came to see miracles, to see the lame walk, to see the blind eyes opened. There were those that came because they had heard that Jesus had fed 5,000 people or 4,000 another time and they wanted to see maybe he'll give us food too. But when the dark day comes and Jesus is on trial, it would have been these sort of people who are in the crowd crying crucify him. 
They had not beheld Jesus in the same way that Joseph of Arimathea or Nicodemus beheld Jesus in the same way that John beheld Jesus. Look also at John's message. His message to the crowd that day is, Behold the Lamb. John did not say, Behold your Messiah. Behold the King who is going to throw off the shackles of Rome. This would have been a very popular message, right? Everyone would have wanted to hear that news. And ultimately, it would be true. He is the king of the Jews. He is David's son. And he will ultimately throw off all tyranny and all oppression. But this is not John's message. This is not how he wanted to direct people's eyes on that day. John's message is, behold the Lamb of God. The first place we ever see a lamb mentioned in scripture is on the way up Mount Moriah. As Abraham has been commanded to take his only son Isaac and sacrifice him, as they're going up the mountain, Isaac says to Abraham, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And of course we know Abraham's famous answer is, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. This is John's message. God has provided for himself. At long last, the lamb has come. Instead of our firstborn son dying on an altar, it will be the lamb of God who dies. The lamb has come. What Abraham had promised all those centuries ago has finally come to pass. God's lamb has arrived. Behold the lamb. The other prominent place in scripture where you see a lamb featured is the Passover meal. As God's people year after year would reenact this symbol of the covenant that God had made with his people. And it recalls that night in Egypt when the lamb was slain and his blood was put on the doorpost, and so their firstborn once again was saved. This is the lamb. The Israelites then at that time would take in the lamb, and it would live in their house for a few days with them, just as Jesus came and lived with us for a few days. And they would get to know it. Can you imagine how children would have felt about this pure, white, fluffy little lamb in their midst? And then at the appropriate time, the lamb is slain for their salvation. This is the news that John is proclaiming to his hearers on that day. God has provided a lamb. He is meek and humble, but he is spotless and perfect. And he is the lamb that will die for our sins. God has done it. And even today, God continues to promise us this lamb every time we take the Lord's Supper. Daryl reminds us as he breaks the bread that Jesus said, this is my body that is broken for you. This is the lamb that we have been promised and as Abraham looked forward to that promise, as the children of Israel looked forward to the promised lamb, we can look back and say God has provided the lamb he has provided a perfect and spotless lamb for me, and I am saved because of this lamb. 
This is the Lamb that John calls us to behold. John's message doesn't appear to have much effect at that time. If you see in verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Only two. Now we know that in later times, Paul will be as far away as Ephesus, which is hundreds of miles away, and he will run into disciples of John who are still looking for this lamb that they missed on that day. So John's message will go on beyond just these two, but on this day, it seems to have very little effect. And yet we know that as we consider the Lamb of God, as we behold Him, we will be conformed to His image as well. And that's the third point I want us to see. Beholding Jesus will transform our lives and conform us to the image of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As we behold Jesus, we are transformed. We are conformed to his image. Beholding Jesus is not a passive activity like sitting on the couch and watching television. Beholding Jesus will involve change in our own lives, sometimes painful change in our lives. But as we look on Jesus, it has to have an effect. Even if it's, as it caused John to proclaim Jesus, even as it caused the disciples around him to leave everything and to follow Jesus, it will have an effect on us. Those two disciples left their family's business. They left their families behind. They left off from following John. Their life is transformed from that moment on. And as you can see, if you read down just a few more verses, it's not long after uh, beholding Jesus for themselves and beginning to follow him for themselves that they go and they begin proclaiming this lamb to others as well. This is the effect that beholding Jesus will have on our lives. We will be conformed to his image. Do you fall again and again into that sin that you swear every time, I will never do that again, and yet you find yourself picking yourself up over and over again, saying, I fell again? The answer is not this morning, try harder to be a good person. Try harder not to fall into that sin. The answer you need is behold the Lamb because beholding Him will transform your life and give you victory over sin. Do you struggle in your prayer life? Are your words weak and few? You promise yourself you're going to get up early in the morning. You're going to spend some time in prayer and yet you hit the snooze button and before you know it, you barely have time to grab breakfast and run out of the house. The answer for you this morning is not, oh, I've just got to try harder to wake up when I should. I just need to try harder to pray. The answer for you is, behold the Lamb. It is looking at Jesus that will transform your prayer life. Do you struggle to find time to spend in God's Word? Do you find that the entertainment of this life, the television, activities and hobbies and everything else that 
comes along to try and distract us from Jesus just takes up so much of your time that at the end of the day you think, well, I'll read a couple of verses out of Psalms. At least I did something. And you think, oh, I'm going to try and do better tomorrow. The answer for you this morning is not to try and do better tomorrow. The answer is, behold the Lamb of God. He will transform your heart and he will make you want even more than ever to spend more time in his word. Or do you struggle with making Christ known to your friends, your co-workers, your family. It can be so hard just to get those few words out in a conversation. And so we think, well, I should go to one of those evangelistic programs and they'll teach me how to say the right things and I'll have the right method. And as helpful as those things are, you come out of that program and the next day you meet your co-worker and you think, oh, I'm going to witness to him. And you end up talking sports and the weather and literally anything else but Jesus. The answer is not that you need to try harder to be a better witness. The answer is to behold the Lamb of God. He will transform you. He will captivate your heart so that you have to make him known. So in conclusion, have you beheld Jesus as John did? Are you being faithful in what God has called you to do in this life so that you are where you need to be to see him? Have you studied the word so that you know what to look for when Jesus appears in a conversation or in the activities of your life? And have you considered Jesus with the eyes of faith so that you will truly see him? Are you proclaiming Jesus as John did? Suffering and hardship and trials can often confuse us. There is still some part of me that really believes that Jesus looks like a man who will keep me out of every difficulty, who doesn't want any trouble to happen to me, and if I just ask him, he'll make everything good for me again. But John's message is, behold the lamb, and the lamb will be slain and die on a cross. He will suffer. There is much in this world to distract us from Jesus, to pull us away. If you are here this morning and you doubt whether he is really worth beholding more, behold the Lamb. If you know him already, if your heart is already captivated by him, and you love him and love nothing more than to behold Jesus, then behold the Lamb. He will do even more. If your heart has grown cold, and the distractions of this world have pulled you away from Christ. Behold the Lamb. He is the Lamb of whom it was said, zeal for your house has consumed me, and he will transform you and make you more zealous for him as well. And if you are here this morning and you have never beheld my Savior, then oh, please, this morning, behold the Lamb of God. He has come to save us, to deliver us from sin and the wrath of God, and to show us the perfection of his own beauty. So, wherever you are in your life this morning, whether hot or cold, lost or found, behold the Lamb of God. Let's pray.